Hi and welcome along to another one of our past conversations. Great today to be joined by Dr Kenny Brophy from the University of Glasgow. Kenny is a senior lecturer in archaeology with a particular interest in the British Neolithic. Rather than me just talk about it though, I'm going to pass over to Kenny and he can say a wee bit about himself and say hello. Hi, yeah, I'm, uh, my name's Kenny Brophy. I'm, uh, I'm based at Glasgow University. I've been uh, an archaeologist for about 25 years and uh, my main area of expertise has always been really Scottish prehistory, but in the last sort of five or six years, I've become really interested in how prehistory appears and exists in, in the modern world. So there's been a bit of kind of more contemporary history as well. So I straddle the very recent past and the really ancient past. So uh, I'm, I'm quite unusual in that respect. So I'm, I'm a bit of a weird archaeologist, but that's, that's, that's part of the course. I've been that for a long time. First thing that I wanted to ask you, Kenny, it's now basically the standard question that I'm, I'm asking most people when I speak to them. It's about your memories of studying history at school. Is there anything that stands out for you? History was a, a subject that I really enjoyed at school. Um, I had a really uh, great inspirational teacher, Mr Dewar, um, and I did history through until the end of what, well, what used to be called back in the old days, the old grade. Uh, and at that point, I actually was I was doing really well in history. I think I was, I think I might have been in boasting about here, but I think I was actually the top performer in the old grade in, in, in the school in my year. But at that point, then when I had to make the choice for hires, we weren't allowed to take any more than one social science, which I think is a common reframe in, in a lot of schools. But um, so I ended up having to choose between geography and history. And I love geography so much that that was, in the end, I had to choose geography. But I was allowed to take two sciences I've wanted, so I did chemistry and physics, which I was terrible at, but uh, geography I did okay. But in history, uh, what I really enjoyed about history, especially when it was being taught in, I think, third year, fourth year, was this, the Scottish aspects of history. I remember we looked at Sc Scottish rural life, and we learned all these things about how people plowed rig the rigging furrow agriculture, and about the equipment they use, and living in black houses, and all this stuff. It's kind of almost um, mythical, Scottish ways of living in the countryside in the 17th and 18th centuries and what I, rem I remember all the little details like the fact that apparently they used to um, pour uh, they used to kind of pour blood into chests of drawers and make black pudding and they used to have make flapjacks out of oat cakes and all this stuff it was a food food thing that I think I really remember most so I really uh, that stuff I found quite fascinating and, and even though history I guess is not something that is, has really played much of a role in my job as an archaeologist, it, 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 it taught me to have a real interest in the past and an enthusiasm for people and the, the, the objects that they used and the things that they did. And it also, I think it also taught me that um, I was far more interested in subjects that were about teaching how to think and about trying to make up your own mind about what happened as opposed to maths and physics and chemistry where there seemed to be one answer and you either, either remembered the answer or didn't. And I didn't, to me, that just seem, didn't seem to be learning because it was just memorizing stuff. Whereas for, for history and, and also geography as well, you had to have an opinion, you had to make, express that opinion, you had to make an argument and back it up. So I think history, more than anything at school, actually taught me to be a critical thinker, which sounds a bit cheesy now, but in hindsight, that's what was going on. And, and, it, and it made me realize that I had an opinion and a voice and I could, and I could think about the past. Um, in, in ways that interested me and I think that probably did subliminally feed into what happened when I eventually went to university and decided to do archaeology. 
Now, Kenny, as a, a senior lecturer in archaeology at the University of Glasgow, I'm just curious to know, what does your job actually involve? Well, it's probably not as exciting as you might as you might think. <laughs> um, you know, being an archaeologist conjures up all sorts of images of being outdoors and digging and finding things and, you know, a lot of, maybe not glamour, but quite a lot of excitement. And in fact, a lot of my job involves sitting at a computer um, doing administration tasks, uh, e dealing with emails, uh, the, the kind of the everyday stuff that we do in universities, which is related to teaching, which is a really big part of the job. So the job's divided into several parts. So there's a teaching part, which is really the most important bit, which is working with students and lecturing and working with them in small groups and teaching them how to be archaeologists, how to be critical thinkers, all the other things we do at universities. Uh, and that takes up a lot of time. There's lots of marking and stuff like that. So um, that's just that's just the, the, the kind of the bread and butter of the job. And then I've also got the, the kind of boring admin chunk of my work. I mean, recently I've become the head of the, the archaeology department. So I've got to manage staff and I, I'll go to lots of meetings. Now I'm, I'm in Zoom meetings all, <laughs> quite a lot these days. Uh, there's just lots of things to do with budgets and stuff. So it's it's really it's 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 very very boring and and sometimes unfortunately quite um quite serious and scary stuff for someone that still feels as if I'm a bit of an imposter. Um, but the the other part of my job really is the is I suppose is the research past part of it, which is where I feel really um privileged to have the job I have because I can essentially explore things that interest me in a lot of depth. So I can I can read about things I want to. I can go and visit places I'm interested in. I can every now and again do bits of excavation and other sorts of field work uh, and I can write about these things as well which is maybe what I most enjoy about my job because um, I, I love writing and so I've, I'm, my job I'm forced to write I mean that's basically one of the things I have to do I have to write things for academic journals for books occasionally books as well and it's and it's part of my job so I enjoy doing that as well so probably in, in, in a typical year I'll probably spend about two or three weeks outside actually doing archaeology and then I'll spend about 42 weeks uh, sitting at a computer so that's how it sort of divides up really um but so but every day is completely different so the, the other that's another thing and I guess a lot of people say teachers will say that about their job as well you know they can never quite predict what's going to happen next and every day has always got a new a new thing happening that might be interesting it might be stressful uh, it might be challenging, it might be pleasurable, um, but every day has got a kind of a, a, new, a, a different thing that comes up that often is unexpected. So it's really a really varied job as well. We never quite know what's going to happen. And I've got a lot of freedom to work the hours I want to. Sometimes that means I work far too many hours, but it also means I can take breaks when I want to. So it's a really flexible job as well. So I'm really lucky in a lot of respects, um, despite the fact there are some kind of areas of boredom and stress and everything else as as with any academic job these days it's also a job that's still a brilliant job to have and it's in, it's so difficult for people to get a job now as a, as an archaeology lecturer that i feel very very lucky because when i got into this business in 2000 when i started the the barriers were so much lower for getting this kind of job um i wouldn't get another lectureship now so i'm very lucky i definitely do feel a bit of an imposter but I do my best to fit in and uh, yeah so it's a, it's a great job and, and it's it's very very varied um, but it's very rarely glamorous <laughs> I would say unfortunately but yeah it's 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 great fun as well I love it I still love it now you know 20 years down the line. Kenny one thing that I'm certainly interested to find out about is with regards to archaeology are there any particular aspects of it that, that interest you more than others? 
I suppose that my 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 main interests and in have always been have always been in, in prehistory, which is the kind of chunk of time in the past when there's no written records. So this is like you know for Scotland that's before the Romans arrived. So from two thousand years ago onwards into the past, and prehistory is all I've always loved prehistory, which contrasts with my my enjoyment of history at school because of the, the the real freedom it gives you to write about the past when you're not really sort of um, weighed down with the baggage of of what people have written about it. So what you're doing is trying to make sense of the ancient past with stuff that people left behind, you know, the broken pots and stone tools and the ruins of their buildings and monuments and also their bodies and um, and the human remains, all that sort of stuff. There's like a, a jigsaw of all this stuff, like in a Lego set that's completely jumbled that we have to try and put together again. But the, the final outcome of the Lego kit isn't necessarily going to look like what it did in the past. So, you know, we, we can never really... We can never really understand the past entirely. So I quite like the freedom of being able to say stuff about what happened 5,000 years ago. And, well, I can't really be proved wrong, which is one of the great secret benefits of, of what you do as a prehistorian. Um, so, yeah, so my main interest has is, is always been really the Neolithic period, um, which is from around 4,000 BC to 2,500 BC, or just a bit after that, depending on how desperate you are to argue the toss about that. Um, and I think that basically, it's a period where people started to farm, where they started to build monuments, and there's a really nice kind of there's a there's a nice kind of sweet spot in prehistory where there's suddenly a lot of stuff, but we still don't really know much, and, and it's really weird and alien looking. You know, before the Neolithic, there's not a lot of stuff, although Mesolithic hunter-gatherer archaeologists would argue there is. Um, after the Neolithic, you start to get a lot more complexity and a lot more stuff, and it becomes a bit more familiar because it's a bit more like settling down into domesticated landscapes. The Neolithic is just weird. That's what's always attracted to me. It attracted me to it because they, they built big monuments. You know, of course, the most famous being Stonehenge, um, which is not, not a place I always want to um, dwell on greatly, but it's a site that we all know about. Um, amazing, amazing um, lavish pots that were made, made incredible fancy stone tools and people just doing a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense in our terms. So that's what I've, was has always been really something that's excited me in my career is trying to look at these kind of broken remnants and come up with stories about what happened in the past and tell the the, the stories of the lives of these people who who died, lived and died thousands of years ago. And so that that's that's what has always been something that's really been my main focus. But in the last sort of five to ten years, I've really started to wonder if that's enough and whether actually me just telling stories of what happened five thousand years ago is it is really is really enough is that really the best that we can do or is there actually things that we can learn from what happened five thousand years ago that might help us today i'm not saying that we kind of necessarily learn oh in the neolithic they made amazing bread you know maybe we can do that sort of stuff as well you know or but maybe we can think about how did people in the past how did they live sustainably how did they recycle things and how did they deal with climate change and social change the sort of things that was ha are happening now so maybe we can learn something from the past but i think also um the past is really important to people today in scotland so our heritage is something that really matters and if if you can share with people something about the heritage of where they live um or tell them something about the past of the place that they are i think that can be really special uh, and that can and that that's something that i'm more interested in now is actually not saying stuff about the past just for the sake of it but about learning about the past to try and help us um, really celebrate the places we, we live in now and maybe make things better in some ways maybe whether that be about you know making things look nicer today or making things more understandable or making places feel special you know i've done lots of work in the last few years in faithfully near clyde bank where there's incredible prehistoric rock art which are carved stones which are five thousand years old 
And Faithley is a place that's often regarded really badly by outsiders, but actually this is a place that's got an incredible, internationally important, rich heritage that goes back thousands of years. So if you can start to sort of flip the, flip the narrative in its head and start to let people know where you live is really, really special, then I think that can actually help people. It might even change some people's lives, who knows? And so I think that my, what, where archaeology can be really powerful is when you, you, can, really, you can really tell people um, and help people understand the amazing deep time stories of where they are and then think about how that can be used in their lives today and going forward into the future. And how can that bring in you know, tourists and money and how can that maybe create jobs and how can that um, deal with other um, aspects of, of the social problems we have now, which is quite idealistic. But I think archaeology can help change places and people. And I think that's a challenge. So I think as archaeologists, it's not just enough, good enough for us to, to say cool stuff about the past. I think we also have to say, well, why, why is this important now? And why does this matter now? And it, and it, and it, can, be very, it can be very, very important to people. So trying to kind of make that shift from it all being about the past to, to being more about the present and the future is something that I've been kind of transitioning towards over the last sort of 10 years. Which has been which has been brilliant and really challenging has really has really kept me on my toes and I've worked with some amazing communities and amazing people who are absolutely inspired by the archaeology around where they live, um, and 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 not in an academic, you know, boring archaeological way. These are people who are inspired by just the, the love of it and the excitement of it and the, and the, the awe they feel about handling something that's thousands of years old, looking at something that they realise is five or six thousand years old. That's that's really powerful. So. Um, so archaeology's ability to amaze people is something that really is really important and powerful, and something that I've I've tried to take advantage of in the last in the last few years. So there's a, there's a little long rambling answer, but um, the the ancient past has always been something I've loved. But how how it's relevant to people today now, I think, is is equally as important. Um, because otherwise, you're just telling stories with, that are just floating about without a context. So I want to try and keep things relevant as much as possible. And Kenny, just finally, I'm curious to know if a young person were to come to you for advice, for instance, about studying archaeology, what would you say to them? For archaeology, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways you can do this. I mean, it, it kind of depends what you what you're interested in. If you want to become an archaeologist, if you want to work in archaeology, then you have to you have to get a degree in archaeology. I mean, that's a long short of it. It's a degree level profession, so. Um, more, more or less everyone who works in archaeology, like 90, 95% of people have got an archaeology degree. So you have to get to uni, essentially, to do that. Um, but there's nothing you need to specifically do at school, I don't think. Uh, I mean, history is helpful, but so is geography, so is maths, so is physics, so is chemistry, because all those things feed into archaeology. So if you've got enough experience and qualifications at school to get into uni, then archaeology will welcome you with open arms um, at Glasgow, where you can do it as an art subject or a science subject. So if you want to do archaeology as a job, then you're going to have to get a degree. That's that's a long short of it. There are there are a few shortcuts to the profession. I think there's hopefully going to be a, a college course starting at some point, maybe in the next year or two, um, which might offer a different route in. And there's also talk with of of um, of um, apprenticeships developing with some of the commercial archaeology companies, which again might be another way in. So, and I think that's really important that we try and find routes to find other other ways for people to become archaeologists. I mean, if you're if you're interested in um, just doing archaeology, then you know there's 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 various options. If you're at school, there's there's some places a bit young archaeology clubs. You know, I know there's there's one there's one in 
There's like one that I've helped with down at Dundonald Castle near Kilmarnock. There's, there's one that's based in Glasgow Uni, the Ontario Museum. Um, and there's one, various ones around Scotland, but there's not a lot of those really. Um, so that's the, you have to be kind of lucky to live near one of them. Otherwise, it, it's just a case of trying to find ways to, to get involved. There's usually excavations happening. Archaeology Scotland have got a website that has lots of, keeps up updated with lots of opportunities for how to become involved in excavations. If you can speak to people who run excavations, they'll usually be happy to have people along to help out. Um, there's also local history and heritage groups. A lot of them are full of really old people, to be honest, so they're probably not um, they're probably not the most welcome environments if you're 17 or 18, because you'll probably stand out a bit. But again, they might be able to help with, with being involved in field work and projects and stuff. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of different kind of um, ways into it. I mean, this the kind of really um, reminds me a lot of a, of, a, of a colleague I have just now who, when I was starting out as a lecturer in the early 2000s, wrote me a letter um, to say how do you, when she was when she was at school when she was 15 or 16 and said how would I become an archaeologist um, and I think I told her you need to come to university to get a degree etc um, and then she came to Glasgow got a degree went to Manchester got a master's came back to Glasgow did a PhD and now works at Glasgow and you know I've still got that letter she sent me all those years ago um, so it's, it's it's something that can seem like a, a distant dream when you're when you're at school um, to to be an archaeologist, but it's actually it's actually something that if you if you're willing to stick out stick at it, work hard, persevere, um, and you're enthusiastic, then you'll probably you'll probably make it. Um, and it's also a wonderful hobby and a great thing to do if you get the chance just at weekends or to get in, get involved in digs where you can. Um, so there's 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 loads of ways to do that as well. So there's lots of ways into archaeology. Um, kind of depending on what you want to do in it, but if you if you love it and you know and you find it exciting and enthusiastic, you'll find a way in somehow, whether it's you know to be paid to do it or just to do it for the love of it. So if you're enthusiastic, you'll find a way. And if you want to email me, <laughs> then I can probably give you the same advice that I gave him um, to Rebecca all those years ago, um, which was worked for her. 